Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time? Or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we're celebrating Halloween with an episode of Inner Sanctum Mysteries appropriately titled A Corpse for Halloween. Inner Sanctum Mysteries ran for over 10 years, debuting January 7th, 1941 and ending October 5th, 1952. The show was a strange mix of humor and pulpy horror. Every episode opened with the sound of a creaking door and listeners were greeted by the chuckling voice of Raymond Edward Johnson. Raymond introduced every story, no matter how gruesome, with a litany of ghoulish jokes and puns. His glib, sardonic tone influenced many other horror hosts, including Ernest Chappell from Quiet Please, Maurice Tarplin from The Mysterious Traveler, and even the Crypt Keeper from EC Publishing's infamous comic book Tales from the Crypt. Inner Sanctum Mysteries borrowed its name from a line of mystery novels published by Simon & Schuster, but rarely bothered to use the novels as source material. Instead, Inner Sanctum developed its own style of over-the-top storytelling, fueled by improbable situations and shameless plot twists. The stark contrast between these wild, violent stories and Raymond's pun-filled narration is either brilliantly campy or patently ridiculous, depending on your point of view. You'll hear our verdict shortly, but first, let's listen to A Corpse for Halloween, originally broadcast October 31st, 1949. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come on in. (laughs) One prankish little fellow whom we shall call maniac, for lack of a stronger word, just set fire to the walls. He said a closed room made him feel confined. As a result, four other characters are slightly burned up now. (laughs) Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, Corpse for Halloween, was written by John Robert. And stars Larry Haynes in the role of Jimmy with Barry Kroger as Kavanaugh. And now, let's unhinge our minds a little. After all, what's a little insanity among friends? Tonight's story dramatizes the fanatical hold of memory. 
The one scene, the one fragment that plays and replays over and over again in your mind. The one terror that's with you when you dine and when you walk and when you sleep. Sleep. Who can sleep? I'm here in the 35-cent flop, but I'm in the Burma jungle. Watching a scene that never gets stale, even though it's five years old. I can hear sounds travel across the brush. I pick them up as if I'm a receiving set. Animal sounds. And I see, as if my eyes are in the sky, I see two grim figures standing with their rifles aimed at a pair of jungle beasts. A tiger and its mate in a crouch, ready to jump. They fire point blank together as if by signal. No good. They miss. The beasts roar and leap. I hear them scream out, Cavanaugh and Doxagola. Just before they die. Five years. And you've been everywhere trying to forget. And you almost do forget. But it edges right back into your mind by itself. Like like when a guy suddenly sneaks up on you in the night. Do you have a match? What? Do you have a match? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You uh, popped up on me so suddenly. You're a nervous man. Thank you. I have a parcel with me. For you. For me? What, are you kidding? No. I have a parcel for you. Here, take it. Uh, wait a minute. Hey, 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 wait. But he's gone. Just the way he came. As if he's... He's a chip off my sanity. As if there'd been nobody. But there is a package left with me. The mind doesn't dream up a package. A cardboard box. Heavy kind of... And tissue, lots of tissue around something that that had the feel of a head. It is a head. The stuffed head of a jungle tiger. Its mouth fixed in the snarl. It sends the blood hammering to my head. Doesn't make sense. No good figuring it out. Toss it into the river, box and all, and get away. Get among the people. Yeah. Yeah, Rocco's go to Rocco's. Get the jukebox going and slip into a fog. Coffee, Rocco. Jimmy, I got something for you. For me, Rocco? The package. The guy come in before and leaves a package for you. See? For Jimmy Fox. Your name on it. My name? My name's Jimmy Scott. You know that. Scott, yes, but the man says your name is also Jimmy Fox. He says he knows. He knows? I took the package outside into the night, into an alleyway. Another cardboard box, heavy. And and tissue, lots of tissue around. Something that had the feel of a head. It was a head. But not a tiger's this time. It was a human skull. It shone with a hard white light where the moon touched it. 
And then it seemed to speak. Do you have a mask? What? <laughs> You're being an idiot. It isn't the skull talking to you. It's me. You? Where are you? I'm behind you. I, I don't see you. It's because you're afraid to. See me now? Yeah. A black suit and a face grinning at me like... Like a laughing mask. It is a laughing mask. Well, why are you wearing a mask? Why not? Tonight's Halloween. Huh. Halloween? Sure. Halloween. And not everybody plays jokes. Oh, Josh, I should have remembered it was Halloween. Can you identify the skull? Identify? Look, what kind of a gag are you trying to... <laughs> Suppose I give you an hour to identify the skull. It's eight now. Until nine o'clock then, Jimmy. Uh, wait. Hey, hey, wait. It was gone again. As if there'd been nobody. Just another big chip off my sanity. I really had to get away from myself now. I hit the back streets, and, and then somewhere a big neon sign across the tenement pulled me off the sidewalk. It read, The Tillery Street Boys Neighborhood Association. Halloween costume ball. Public invited. A girl in a booth, masked like a witch, stopped me at the door. Mask, mister? Uh, mask. Oh, oh, sure, sure, give me one. Black, green, yellow, or purple? What's your favorite color? Uh, yellow. Uh, here you are. Fifty cents. Yeah. Oh. Oh, what? Just a description left with me. I'd almost forgotten. Uh, are you Jimmy Fox? Suppose I was Jimmy Fox. What about it? This grocery bag was left here for you. A man told me to tell you. You forgot it somewhere. And he said that he'd meet you one place or another later. Here, take it. By the shape of it, I'd say you had a Halloween pumpkin inside. What if I told you there was a human skull inside that grocery bag? or another. He did. He was under a street lamp waiting for me to happen along. <laughs> Hello, Jimmy. Have you dared to call the skull by name yet? Or must I? Look, that gag isn't paying off, mister. All right, go ahead. You call it by name. Dolan. Boxer Dolan, remember him? I, uh, never knew the guy. You no doubt got me confused. Have I, Jimmy? You've changed your appearance cleverly, except for one thing disguise could never conceal. One thing? Your guilt. You wear it like a badge of shame. Oh, what am I guilty of? Murder. Two men left an encampment in the Burma jungle just before dawn. Two men. Boxer Dolan and Kavanaugh. The third man remained behind. He played sick, pretended to fever. The third man was you, Jimmy. Must I tell you the rest? Tell me the rest. Dolan and Kavanaugh carried rifles in the event of a jungle encounter. There was a jungle encounter, a tiger and its mate. An emergency, but an easy one to resolve for two expert hunters. Just one shot apiece, and there'd be two more dead tigers. Just one shot apiece. They had their one shot apiece. But the tigers didn't drop dead in their tracks. Instead... Boxer Dolan and Kavanaugh dropped. Ask me what happened, Jimmy. What happened? 
during the night, someone had emptied their rifle loads and substituted blank bullets. You did that, Jimmy. You engineered the murder of two men. You murdered your two partners in crime. Just one day's push from the Hindu temple you'd all teamed up to loot. They got within 24 hours of treasure, and then you murdered them. One more day to the temple, so why split three ways, huh? Huh? Know about the temple. But I never pushed on to that temple. No loot, no nothing. How about that? You lost your nerve. You just hadn't counted on losing your nerve. What are you, a detective? No. I'm your second victim. I'm Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh? Kavanaugh was killed. Unfortunately for you, he wasn't. I'll show you what I had to survive. Feel my sleeve. Feel it. It's empty. Torn out of the socket. Now, the face behind this laughing gargoyle. I wear. See the left profile. Oh, it isn't pretty, is it? The eye. The eye's gone, too. I spent five years finding you, Jimmy. I've waited a long time to let you see my face. You came after me to kill me? After you've had the same 24 hours you arranged that Doran and I would have. What do you mean, the same 24 hours? Unarmed, in the jungle, and helpless. I'm going to hunt you for 24 hours. In this jungle, the jungle of the city, with every beast of prey I can buy. I'm going to hunt you, Jimmy. And in the end, when I've wrung every suffering from you, I'm going to kill you. What do you mean? Every beast of prey you can buy. The denizens of the city jungle, the riffraff, the murderers, the men and women who buy and sell murder. I can afford them, Jimmy. See this, Ruby? Is it real? And I have dozens, Jimmy. Dozens. I didn't lose my nerve. It's ten o'clock. You can go now. Go and see if you can escape me and my pack. You're going through with this? Get along, Jimmy. Hurry. The beasts will be coming at you from the sewers and the cellars, ambushing you from the shadows into the dawn and through the day for 24 hours until 10 tomorrow night. Or you win. You live. Hurry, Jimmy. See how painful death can be. Kavanaugh's one fellow I never want to uh, hunt me up. Mm-mm. No, sir. That guy slays for creeps. <laughs> 24 hours. Kavanaugh's got 24 hours to kill. And Jimmy has just enough time to die. <laughs> yes, you know, Jimmy might win out over Kavanaugh. Now that he's got an extra skull to go with the one he's stuck with. After all, two heads are better than one. <laughs> Let's live out the terror now, shall we? An animal game of murder for 24 hours. I was to be hunted down in a jungle where human beasts came at you from the sewers and cellars where killers and the hire of a homicidal lunatic lay in ambush. 
But I had to win. I had to save myself. I had to. Hide. The thing to do was to hide, fade into an alleyway and find a cellar and stay put for 24 hours. Just stay put. With a second rake of garbage cans until 10 tomorrow night. Was I alone? Movement. There was a whispering movement somewhere in the cellar. A faint rattle of ash cans as if as if the wind was rattling them. Wind in an airtight cellar. Hello? Anybody there? No answer. I've been imagining. But then something winged at me, growing into my shoulder, sharp and deadly like a knife. <laughs> shoulder gash. I got out of there and back into the streets. Into a jungle of faces. It was Halloween night like I'd never seen it. Masks and costumes on kids of six and old clones of sixty. A crazy jungle of witches and snarling sea captains and lunatics. They couldn't all be in the hire of Kavanaugh. And then where a fence was plastered with circus posters of jungle animals. A zany-looking guy was shooting from the hip at the poster while making menacing faces like a bad man. I caught a whiff of powder in the night air. The shot had burned into the poster. I crept up behind him. Faking a gun with my fist in my coat pocket, I rammed against his back. Get him a pal. Oh, I, I got nothing about Samus. Your gun, I want your gun. Hand it over. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now walk. Walk up the block and don't turn back to look. gun now, and the tables were turned. I was the hunter now. I drifted to the docks and took up a position with my back to the river. Thinking of suicide, Jimmy? Not anymore, Kavanaugh. You sound as if your morale had suddenly uh, improved. My morale's going great, Kavanaugh. Your animal hunt's about to boomerang, blow right up in your face like this. Who's hunting who, Kavanaugh? Who's hunting who? Kavanaugh kept standing up. Three bullets point blank enough to blow his head off, but Kavanaugh kept standing up on her. <laughs> How does it feel to hunt game with blank cartridges like Boxer Dolan and I did once? Blank cartridges? But that crazy-looking guy saw him burn a hole in the circus poster. Only one bullet. The first one was real. Simple? Yeah, Simple. I get it. Dead-Eyed Dick was another one of your beasts. Who's hunting who, Jimmy? Who's hunting who? Uh, Kavanaugh! Kavanaugh, wait! Kavanaugh, kill me! Get it over with and kill me now, will you? Kavanaugh, you gotta kill me! I had to get out of there. The subway. Get the subway. Fade into the subway. Get on a train and ride to the end of the line. Ride out of the jungle. An empty station, no one in it. No, no someone. Two people. A dapper little guy buried behind a newspaper. And an old lady in ragged clothes carrying a pet half hidden under a coat. A pet that looked like a cat. She came up to me, close, like to ask me something. Ed, 
This side goes to Leopard's Avenue Station. Uh, Leopard's Avenue? I don't know. I'm a stranger here. Oh, oh hush, Genevieve. Oh, Genevieve is hungry. That's not a cat. No, son. A cub. A tiger cub. A, a tiger cub? Would you like to stroke Genevieve? No, no, no. Don't run away, son. Genevieve won't hurt. I ran away with the old crone after me, hobbling in her skirts. And a little dapper guy behind the newspaper circling at me from the opposite direction, cornering me. I jumped to the tracks, my only out, and I ran. I ran deep into the bowels of the subway, deep, very deep. With a little dapper guy after me, as if he meant business. And then the train. It had a Halloween look, too, bearing down on me. An iron face with banjo eyes. I ran against the wall and flattened out. Shy, one beast in this jungle. The little guy had been hit glancingly and hurled against the subway wall, pulverized. I got to him quickly and frisked him. I had a gun now. A gun with bullets that killed. I ran. I ran a half mile underground to another station and then back on the streets. Back in the animal game. It was three in the morning. A neon sign read Tillery Street Boys Neighborhood Association. Halloween costume party. People were straggling out. The fun was over. Uh, what? You remember me? Uh, no. I'm the witch who gave you a free mask and a grocery bag that you forgot somewhere. And, and you're uh, Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Scott. I, I used to be Jimmy Fox. Sister, are you all right? Am I all right? I mean, are you just what you look at? A sweet kid with brown eyes and a heart. Are you drunk? No, 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 beat. I'm dead beat. I've got to hold up somewhere. Get some shut eye. I've got to or I'll die. You're sick? Yeah, yeah, I'm sick, sick. If I could just sleep around the clock until 10 tomorrow night, if an angel came along and said, come home with me, I'll put you up. Come home with me, Jimmy. I'll put you up. asleep on the sofa with the gun under my pillow and the girl on a chair watching me anxiously. I had a friend. I could drop off and live in dreamland until ten that night. At ten, I could wake up and live. Coming awake, I heard the alarm we'd set go off. The alarm stopped. There was a sound. An animal sound. And then a claw scratching at me, tearing at my cheek. I I jumped up. The girl was gone. A guy was sitting watching me now. A skinny kid with a heavy shock of hair, not a day over 21. Oh, that's a lousy way to have to wake up from a sleep, pal. Lousy way? There was an animal clawing at me, my cheeks bleeding. Her Genevieve, she isn't housebroken. Still a little wild. You should have seen her dash for the kitchen when you let out a scream just now. Genevieve, who are you? You're Jimmy Fox, huh? Yeah. I've got something for you. For me? Yeah, it was given to me to give to you. There. A, a rupee. Hey, wait a minute, look. 
It's 10 o'clock. I set the alarm for 10 and it's 10. Well, it's only a quarter hour. That clock's always 15 minutes ahead. Now the game's over. It's 10 and you can't cheat. I've, I've won, Cavanaugh. You can't go back on your promise, Cavanaugh. You can't. What are you trying to get over, pal? I don't... I've won. Me. You can't cheat. I won't be tricked. A gun. Pal, you're crazy. Here, wait. Look. You're crazy. It's ten and I won't be tricked, Kevin. I've won. I'm still on the sofa. My arms are rigid. And my legs rigid. Like something exploded inside me and paralyzed my nerves. I can just look and hear. She's in the room now. A girl with a sweet face and brown eyes. Only her eyes are red, swollen from crying. I hear her talking to a cop. He's taking down what she says. He was a stray. He was like a sick dog in the street. So I picked him up and brought him home. Yes, uh, why did he kill your brother, Buddy? I don't know. I was taking a shower, and I heard him scream like a crazy man. I heard him talk all mixed up. And I was taking a shower, and I couldn't get here in time. There must be something you can tell me, miss. Oh, officer, everything is all mixed up. At the Tory Street costume ball, a man gave me a cap with tiger stripes, and he begged me to keep it for him for a while until he found a new home for it. He'd been evicted, he said. Yes. Well, then, in the all-night restaurant my brother works in, a man gave Buddy a ruby to give to Jimmy Fox. When he woke up, he told my brother the ruby belonged to Jimmy Fox. This piece of glass? Yes. That's uh, something off the Woolworth time counter. Uh, what else? That's all. Really, that's all. I watch and I hear. I see through Kavanaugh's trick... Get me crazy, so I'll murder a stranger who called himself Buddy. The brother of a girl with brown eyes and a heart. Frame me, so I'll just want to die. Through weeks of a murder trial and months in the death house and four minutes in the death chair. I kept listening to them talk. The girl and the cop. Okay. We'll have to get the rest from Jimmy Fox there. Yeah, look at him. He's paralyzed with fright. I wonder what kind of a crazy Halloween story he's going to try to palm off on us when we get him talking. Uh, uh, Captain Devereux speaking. Uh, McAvoy, send a police ambulance to 445 Tenite Street, apartment 3 rear. And McAvoy, see that a straitjacket's on that ambulance. Mm-hmm. It got so poor Jim didn't know whether he was coming or going. Nuts. <laughs> what got his goat most was the way he kept seeing animals everywhere. Very confusing to a guy on the lamb. Yeah, it got so he couldn't tell who's zoo. <laughs> Tomorrow? Oh, sure. I read this Halloween notice on a tree somewhere. Never hunt out of 
reason. Sanctum was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. That was A Corpse for Halloween from Inner Sanctum Mysteries. You are listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And let's dive right into this uh, apropos pick for this Halloween and this this season. It's got the word Halloween right in it, and it uh, also has uh, some Halloween moments. But uh, other than that, why'd you pick this one, Joshua? Well... I love Inner Sanctum in general. I love the terrible, terrible puns and Raymond's introduction. I am so out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but really, my one first of things, point of contention on this whole thing. But yes, one of the things I love about Inner Sanctum in general and this story in particular is just how crazy and heightened the actual stories are once you get away from uh, Raymond, the narrator. I mean, right. in this in this episode, you open with this crazy jungle flashback where hunters are devoured by tigers. Then you go back, you know, five years later and there's a guy in the street who gives another guy a box with a dismembered tiger head in it. Then he goes into a bar, he gets a human skull and then, oh yeah, it's Halloween and this is like four minutes into this right. <laughs> it's like four it goes minutes. fast doesn't it yeah I, uh, so I, jam-packed with uh, ideas they're just throwing one after the other you don't like this one hey how about this one hey how about this one <laughs> I loved uh, a lot of things about this but one of the things I, I loved was that premise of uh, receiving uh, packages from uh, people uh, just hey are you uh, Fox what's his first name uh, uh, it's Jimmy Jimmy Fox yeah, and here's a package for you, and that they're uh, severed heads and, and and things. I love that. Uh, I uh, that was probably my favorite part of this whole thing is uh, the premise of I just wanted it to keep going. Like it, the plot t- changes completely. Mm-hmm. That goes on for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then it becomes another story completely. Mm-hmm. Then, I just wanted I just wanted to be story. a guy. Yep. Yeah, but I just wanted to be a guy receiving mysterious packages with heads like it's a bunny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they get, they get to the end and say happy Halloween everybody <laughs> there is a moment in which Jimmy realizes it's Halloween and he's relieved Right. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Halloween. Of course, you always get boxes always of heads from Halloween stranger and send them severed heads. I have a Halloween story that's similar to this that I cannot share, but it does end with a bunch of boys in their youth looking at it and saying, "Oh, that's right. Thank God, it's Halloween. We'd forgotten." <laughs> I'll tell you later off the air, but it was quite a relief. <laughs> Um, that story just told itself. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, go back to two things. One. Uh, you, we said in the intro a couple things that I took a note on that I want to bring up. That is the best creek 
the opening. Oh thing, yeah, the creaking opening door. Yeah, in I the mean, history of it's radio, a, it's got to be a huge door for one thing because it just keeps, <laughs> it takes them. 20 seconds to open it's that door. <laughs> CBS Radio Mystery Theater, as you know, did the, mm-hmm. you know, the creaking door. It's the, the same shutter. producer. He's Is it? Yep. Well, yep. look at that. The guy just went, what do I got? <laughs> Still got that giant door? <laughs> Haul that in here. See? Uh, I love the creak. That made me laugh uh, because it bordered on ridiculous for how long <laughs> yep. it went on. And the second thing, and they've always had this issue with Inner Sanctum, and we've talked about it, and you said it in your opening, um, is it uh, campy? Uh, patently ridiculous uh, or brilliantly campy, uh, you know, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. So we should delve into that, that, those puns and that idea of him throwing in the humor. Uh, it makes me crazy. I, 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 I cannot separate the two out. I have and, a real love-hate relationship with that. Of like, <laughs> This is so bad. This is so awful. I, I'm grinning from ear to ear with how awful these puns are. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have a, love, a, a thing where we love bad things. Like, Mystery Science Theater existed because of this love for... Yeah, well, I don't things. think it's inadvertently this way. I think... They swung for the fences on... <laughs> oh, yeah, they're yeah. so strained. I love when he says, didn't know whether he was coming or going nuts. <laughs> Everything is it's hit so hard. I listened to this with my 12-year-old daughter, and clearly she sides with Eric because she turned to me and went, these aren't even jokes, Dad. <laughs> I know! <laughs> that was my and reaction. he knows! <laughs> well, that's just it. Do they? Y- oh. Yes. For for those are they're just so strange and he's, as, he's as got a performer this. who has made fun of material he's speaking in the past <laughs> that sounds familiar right I pulls me out though like if you're gonna because uh, I'll talk about the story in detail in a second but I love the story I love lots of parts of it that was scary and blah 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 with those puns though and the the the, the the narrator, it just pulls me out of it. I hate that I have a certain predilection for like extreme contrast in writing or comedy shows and I just love the idea that those two things are juxtaposed because the story is so dark so earnest so committed to making everything as extreme as possible uh, and then you cut to Raymond chuckling (laughs) away and he slays for keeps and you have to really think hard and go what is it oh he plays for keeps (laughs) (laughs) I have a uh, uh, I really like the word predilection. <laughs> That's what I just decided. As we all do. Predilection. Yeah. It's a new one for me. <laughs> Y'all just, oh, I wish they could see that look. <laughs> they heard uh, that look. You're dumb. <laughs> uh, I so loved this story. It's it's really in my sweet spot of a story about someone who is a little mentally unreliable in a situation that is threatening to make... It looks the way it would look to a crazy person, but it's actually happening to him. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That, yeah. It does. Yeah. Here's a question. Uh, why did he put the fake bullets in their guns and... Uh, that part of it is being, okay, so they're going to this temple. They're going to loot it. They're going to get rich. 24 hours earlier, he puts blanks in their guns, and they go out into the jungle. 
did he know that they were going to get attacked by a couple of tigers? Or why was he having him killed, and why did he not go to the temple? None of that got explained to me as to why. And it's some of what I spoke to in our intro here, is that Inner Sanctum really just goes for what is the biggest image, what is the biggest impact. Sure. And I mean, we can open with these guys shooting tigers point blank, but they don't die. They keep coming and they kill them. Yeah. You know, it has this just over-the-topness. Right. And I mean, I think you can go back and... Backfill, if you want, that I'm he an puts expert on that. <laughs> Tim loves <laughs> <laughs> loves to justify things. Who knows That's what I do too. Though. <laughs> but he could be have been planning once they got to the temple to double cross these guys, and then if uh, Jimmy was the one with the gun, they had blanks. So maybe the tiger was just a complete accident. Clearly, he didn't intend it because it so distressed him that he wimped then why out. Did he right? put blanks in there so that they couldn't shoot him when they got to the temple? Oh. oh. Look who just went back and wrote that. Yes, all right. If they would have done that, I would have been happy. <laughs> Tim, we share that same thing. You know, I do that. I go for the fences on big imagery, just like that. But then I go back and I sweat over. I've got to make sure when I write that that's there's a reason for that, and the, or there's a plausible explanation for their actions. And so when they don't get that explanation, I will, I will tell you. I had to go back and re-listen to this one because there were five minutes that I missed because I was too wrapped up <laughs> trying to think about why did he do that? Why? What a jerk face. <laughs> um, well, Kavanaugh felt the same way, clearly. He was very upset. <laughs> why would you do this? <laughs> and then the other thing, and this is me. This is not, this is me being me, but I started to think, there they are in the jungle and he's been ripped to shreds, Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think, well, who rescued him? How did he get saved? You know, like who came and got him? And I shouldn't be. Thinking. It's a witch doctor. There's a whole spin-off interstate <laughs> about the witch Thank doctor you. who brings Kavanaugh back to life. And you guys just tell me stuff, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> Here's a point I want to bring up uh, before we move on: is that the woman, I forget her name, her character name, and I also forget. She her doesn't get a name. Uh, She's the girl who, who with the sweet face and the brown eyes. Yeah, yeah. just selling the masks. And. Uh, I should have looked this up before we started recording, and I forgot to, but she is possibly my favorite radio drama actress of all time. She uh, appears in a lot of I Love a Mystery and a lot of other shows, but she has a very distinct voice, and she's mm-hmm. just fantastic. Very uh, natural. And I heard, and... Oh, I heard her voice, and I, oh, God, it's her. I, oh, I love her so much. Uh, I'm not doing her any justice. I should probably <laughs> figure out her name. We'll, we'll put a we'll link. Put a, put a, in the website when we post this right. yeah yeah who's in charge of that who's gonna remember to do this no. <laughs> Tim there is so much of what's on the website that exists only because we've mentioned it on a podcast and not have to put it on there <laughs> go back in backfill you're always just that's what I'm stuff. doing yeah. um, again the storyline uh, I love the delivery of the packages I love what's in them I uh, when he's he does have that great moment when he says to her uh, what would if I told you that there was a human head in there and then we don't get her reaction. Yeah. <laughs> they cut away the music. And they're like, no, wait, what did she say? <laughs> Sweet. Did this line work? <laughs> but then it cuts to the revenge thing and, you know, man hunting man. man I, I really like that. I love that he had minions in the urban yeah, setting. I love that too. setup of you're in a city where you know no one and any number of people could be actively trying to kill you. And, and they're all wearing masks. It's Halloween. They're half drunk. Uh, everything is and the frightening setup with as the, is. The circus guy with the gun, just to show you how elaborate this plan is. Mm-hmm. I did. I loved it. It was, but it's it is two stories. Yeah. In a way, like uh, like I said earlier, I would. 
it could have just been delivering of packaged heads, you know. But <laughs> I did like the the uh, the arch of uh, the arc of that and the storyline of running through the city, being hunted in the city jungle. That was pretty cool. I think the end is really nice too, in that you're not sure is the 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 sweet girl one of. Oh, I was convinced she was. But she kind of is. She's just not totally in on it because she did. She was given the cat by him, the kitten, to hold on to. But she was given the cat by a setup woman on the street or the guy she's taking care of. She's halfway in it, but she's unaware of it. She's part of it. But she does have that brother. But she does have that line when he she invites him back. She says, "It's yeah. Why don't you come back to my house? You know, like the way she says it is a red herring of oh, she's in." Oh she, yeah, she's I was part totally of convinced she was mm-hmm. because of the way she said that line, um, and that's another thing that made me laugh was uh, so you're on the street and a guy says, "Hey, will you take care of my baby tiger?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you go, "Yeah, sure, sure." She's clearly just a very easygoing gal. <laughs> she's like, Come on sure. back. Well, and by you know modern standards, is it more dangerous to bring a baby tiger into your home or some random guy on Halloween? <laughs> yeah. Right? Both are just bad calls. <laughs> yes. Beast for her brother. <laughs> right, for the brother. Uh, any other uh, notes and thoughts on this? I still like when we can go back in time for these stories where there can be clocks that are set wrong. It's before GPS and everything's oh, you know, yes, on yeah. the nose where he thinks, I'm safe. That clock's always slow. I, lo- I love things like yep. that. Or, or notes that they solve by going and looking at a typewriter. You know, the letter <laughs> E on this typewriter is slightly raised. And so we know that this person is the murderer who wrote this note. And I love old technology and, and when the guy uh, Kavanaugh says I'll give you an hour to identify the skull using 1940s forensic technology <laughs> an hour an hour <laughs> well, kind of looks like uh... <laughs> yeah that's another good point an hour what uh, just tell me uh, what's he going to do lick it <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt tastes uh... like Boxer Dolan <laughs> uh, another device I love that's old that we don't have anymore and I actually am referring to an episode that we haven't done yet but evening paper versus morning paper when they discuss oh. <laughs> did oh, you yeah. read the morning paper did you read the I love oh, that yeah. <laughs> information you had to wait for and we, we don't all wait got, for information. No, but all, and we all got it at once. And like, yeah. did you read what the one forty-seven paper? <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, thoughts on this? How do you feel uh, about this, Tim? I really enjoyed this, particularly just the the craziness, mm-hmm. um, the surreal, dreamlike quality of it, and that it's really just vindictive and mean. I like that in the story. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it holds up. I, I think it holds up too. I, I was uh, uh, scared in the sense of uh, getting delivered severed heads is never not scary. Uh, I liked how it was written. I liked the actors' uh, portrayals uh, of all that. One of my favorite actors, she was in it, so that helps. And uh, and then that second line of story, like you said, being hunted through the city was was very cool premise with a lot of setup. And uh, uh, so yeah, I think it was very scary, and uh, I like that again. No happy ending. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's hard to say whether it stands the test of time if you're talking about the whole inner sanctum episode as a package, because you have to admit with with this story and Raymond's jokes and puns. It's kind of odd even for its time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really kind of wholly original, weird concoction of elements. And so yeah. um, I love it. I mean, I almost wonder if it is more stands the test of time now because I think people are more willing to accept like a 
absurdity maybe i i don't know i can just say that i like it now <laughs> yeah I, I you you take away uh the the puns and the uh the inner sanctum narration uh i'm all on board <laughs> you may, <laughs> you just again we should film this so everybody can see joshua <laughs> shaking his head that's so you can think whatever you want after all <laughs> what's a little insanity among friends <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Uh, if you want to learn more about this show, other shows, hear past shows, more about us, you can go to ghoulishdelights.com. That is ghoulishdelights.com. Also, there's some wacky thing you can do on iTunes. Yeah, write a review. <laughs> Say, I like this podcast. Let other people know how great it is and that five they stars. should listen to it. Yes, five stars. Yes. Give it the, give it the five stars <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And until next time, remember... Ah!